0: Well, thank you, ladies, for leading us. This is just... uh, uh, ah. Good, thank you. Acts, thank you, ladies. I said that already. Acts chapter 16, this is where I want to go. um, As we look into his word to us today, it is all about what God wants. I know that you have heard me say that before. I I appreciate one of the songs that the ladies led us in. There was a line in there and it said, rid me of myself. Think of that. You realize that is something that you and I are never going to actually accomplish while we are living on this earth. We're not going to ever accomplish that, but we are to always, always strive towards less and less of us, and more and more of Him. We are to never give up in that struggle. And uh, we are so grateful that we have this Word to guide us. I would encourage you to take your Bibles every day and read them. Listen to what the Lord is leading you to do as far as reading you of yourself. And listen very sensitively, listen very carefully to the ministry of the Holy Spirit as well. Gorgeous outside the past couple days. Absolutely gorgeous. And we are blessed in his grace to enjoy that. Let's bow our heads and thank God for this time that we have together to learn from his word. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the cross that we were just reminded about, all that you have done, all that you are. And now, Lord, for a few moments, we have opportunity, Lord, to hear from you and from your word. Lord, in a very loud world, I would ask, Lord, that we would hear your still small voice speaking in our hearts, the very deepest recesses of our hearts, as Danielle mentioned, that there are people that are in this very room right now, they're aching and hurting, and God, you are the Father of mercies and the God of all comforts. I would ask, Lord, for you to minister in a way that only you can. Lord, use us as you see fit to, to encourage others and to love others. But Lord, help us to trust you. Father, I pray for this community that is ensnared, that is entrapped in darkness. I pray, Lord, for other men that are at this very moment this morning, are standing in pulpits in this community and are preaching the gospel. I pray for my brother Ben and Chad and Josh and Nathan God, I ask that you would be with Scott. God, I would ask that you'd be with Steve, with others. Lord, that I know hold to the truth of the gospel. Would you give them boldness and clarity of speech? May you allow all of us to understand what our role is in the kingdom work. Father, we just ask right now that you would be glorified, that you would give to me um, clear thinking, ensure speech, Father, I would ask, Lord, that we would hear from you. I would hear from you. We ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. I want to tell you about a neat little opportunity that's coming up here next month. You know, I I regularly, as I was just praying, I was reminded of that, um, regularly pray for other churches, other men in our community that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've been able to build relationships with a number of them. We have lunch on a regular basis. And I was chatting with them uh, at lunch about a month or two ago, a couple months ago now, and it kind of floated the idea of a pulpit exchange. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, um, where there's one particular Sunday and rather than just one guy switch with another guy, we actually agreed upon it. We checked with our, our leadership and elders from area churches and We kind of put our names in a hat and just drew them out randomly, drew drew straws. And so on November the 24th, that'd be the week before Thanksgiving, um, six guys will exchange pulpits um, in this community. I'm actually writing an article for the paper. It's called Six Pulpits, One Purpose. And what is interesting is that Aaron Baddorf, our campus pastor uh, who has lunch with us, his job was... And I want you to pick the text for every single guy. We're all preaching the exact same text, which I just think is, is amazing. And so Aaron uh, uh, searched and prayed and came up with a wonderful text that concentrates on the gospel. And so we're excited about that opportunity. Uh, Nathan Purdy, a brother of ours who preaches across the river, um, is going to be here. He's the one with the cool Irish accent. He is... And his family are from Northern Ireland. They'll be here at Big Woods, and I'll be at the coffee shop, um, the commonplace, Avenue 209. It's kind of a neat opportunity to pray for that, because I tell you what, there's too much to be done for one church, for one church. We need to be working alongside of one another, those that are preaching the gospel. I just thought of that as I was praying, so I thought I'd share it with you. Let's get to our text. Here it is. We're back to the book of Acts. In this text, we're going to read 15 verses from Acts chapter 16. You'll notice in the short span of 15 verses, we will count no less than 11 different places, locations that are listed. In these 16 verses, 15 verses, it covers approximately 750 miles. This is Paul's second missionary journey. I want you to think about this. This is before the times that we live today of planes, trains, and automobiles, okay? There is no uh, orbits for Paul to book his travel plans through. This is before the time of orbits. There's no frequent flyer miles. There's no puddle jumpers or commuter flights. This is before the time of light rail. When Paul and his party travels, they travel what? This is all about shoe leather, Okay? It's about walking, it's about riding on the back of a donkey, it's about a small, creaky ship on a choppy sea. You've got to understand as we read our text that moving from place to place, point A to point B is slow, it is dangerous, and it is absolutely exhausting. Some of you know about exhausting travels. Nick arrived This morning from his trip at six o'clock in the morning, he knows something about being exhausted. I said, Nick, if you need to sleep during the first service, I'll give you that because you got to speak to our young people. Moving in those times was a lot different than moving today. Today we have unbelievable um, conveniences and comforts. I was reminded of what it's like to minister today at our elders' meeting this past Wednesday when we had the privilege of FaceTiming the Montais. Okay, what, 11-hour time difference. Uh, we, were finish, we, were, we were finishing up our evening. They were just getting up the next day. Um, and as they are in a clear, sharp picture introducing us, Colton and Joshua, to their pet snake and their pet guinea pig, and as we were able to pray together with them, I am reminded of the blessings that we have today. I, I don't think that we pause enough to say, "Lord, thank you for what you have given to us, so that we can do your work." Sometimes is that 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 I will demonstrate. I know we will demonstrate frustrations today because of what? Well, because the Wi-Fi is a little spotty, because the cell phone coverage perhaps is not as as thorough as we think it should be, because the air conditioning doesn't work in our vehicle in the hot month of July or August. There are some of the hardships that we face, the challenges that we face. Now, I want you to think about what we face, how we minister today alongside of Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy on these missionary journey. We must be very careful. Before we ever complain about anything today, okay? Good reminder. Here it is. Acts chapter 16. We pick up our text in verse 1. Paul came also to Derby. You can count the places. And to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Verse four. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. If you recall, the Jerusalem Council from Acts chapter 15. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. Woman named Lydia, from a, from the city of Thyatira.
1: more of a concern for the gospel of Jesus Christ than he does for what? For himself. Rid me of myself. I believe that we just say that. That's that type of example. In verse one, we're introduced to a young man whose name is Timothy. this day, one of my favorite characters. But why is that? I don't know if you realize it or not, but when I was born, my, my mom was expecting, okay? While, while, while my mom was pregnant, my dad was reading in his quiet time through the book of First Timothy, and my mom was reading
0: through the Gospel of John in their personal quiet time. And so when this bundle of joy arrives... Uh, that's why they gave to me. Is that on? That's why they gave to me my name, Timothy John. And so I thought that has always been kind of a neat little indicator. How's that? Um, as far as the heritage that I have nothing to do with. Okay, that is all apart from me. That is God's grace that mom and dad loved me and not only loved me but far more importantly loved the lord as well. <clears throat> Second thing we learn here, just a little side note about how I got my name and that's why I love this guy Timothy is so cool. Second thing we learn is what? He was well spoken of by the brothers. And in addition to that, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. It's actually underlined in my bible. Paul wanted Timothy there's a great reminder as far as how we are to do ministry, that we cannot do it alone, that we need to have good people alongside of us, and we also have to have the right people alongside of us. It's important to note that being used by the Lord as far as called into ministry is oftentimes very much about the affirming of one's gifts from other people. Now the guy who says, yeah, 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 let, let me preach, let me preach. I want to preach, I want to preach. Please, please, can I preach? Okay, I would be cautious of that as opposed to someone else who recognizes you ought to be one who preaches. See the difference there? It's kind of like me. Huh? Danielle, can I sing a solo? Can I sing a solo? Please, can I stand up and sing? Well, no, actually, just keep your mouth closed when we come to the singing as far as with a mic on. Okay, it, it's that idea. We have to be very careful with the character, the conduct, and the calling of those who are to preach the gospel. We have something in our culture um, that that is derived from first century. It's called an ordination council. Um, I pastored actually seven years before I was officially ordained into ministry, where where local pastors and 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 mentors and colleagues laid hands on me. We see this in Acts chapter 13. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. We see this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, where other godly men lay hands on. It's exactly what we see here in a sense that Timothy was called into ministry, but he was called because the character was seen by others, not the way that he's saying, this is who I am. If we look at some of the details here, we see that he's probably late teens, early 20s, and and I know it, it's difficult to address, but Timothy was circumcised at that age, not for salvation, okay? We learned this from Acts chapter 15, but because what? He was not going to be a stumbling block to those that he was ministering to. He was going to be ministering to Jewish people. <clears throat> we know he had a Jewish mother, but a Gentile father. And so by this, this um, consecration, so to speak, he was able to go into the synagogues in order to preach, which is somewhat of a strategy. of being groomed for ministry. It's also important to note what exists here is the intentional design that you and I have recently been reminded of, of what it means to be involved in discipleship. We see here intentional mentoring that takes place. What is it? The older is pouring into the younger. The more mature spiritually has a responsibility to pour into the less mature spiritually. So we have Paul, the veteran by this point, is patiently taking with him and is teaching, travel with me, Timothy. By example, what is he doing to this rookie, Timothy? Look at the effectiveness here. It says that they move through the cities. Reaffirming the decision that had been made at the Jerusalem Council, what? That salvation is in Christ Jesus and it's not based in good works. It's what we call soli gratia, by grace alone. And what is the result here? We see it in verse 5 churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. What's interesting to note is that a lot of churches are stagnant, a lot of churches. A lot of churches are actually shrinking in size. Why? Because I think they've moved from the model that is given to us from the book of Acts of how we are to do ministry, always training and pouring into the next generation. That's why discipleship is so key. So let me remind you of this. If you are a mature follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've grown in your faith, you today have a responsibility you realize it is your job to pour into and to teach the younger. There's no way around that. If you are younger, if you are a new believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility, what? To find someone who is more mature to to, 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 to live life along. To watch. Sitting, forgive me, I don't want to embarrass, but one of our more senior couples, I, I have oftentimes... Taking young couples and saying, you want to watch? Watch an older couple. More mature. Young couples just got married. Watch in Art and Elinda. Watch the way that Art will carefully open a door for his wife. That's graciousness. That's being a gentleman. We need what? The older to be examples to the younger. We must do that. Some of you I know are saying, yeah, but I'm young. Actually, you have people younger than you. We're all getting older. We're all growing up. I know we have a hard time with that. We're actually moving into that former category. Here it is. Lesson number two. God wants us. It's all about God. God wants us to obey his will over our will. Verses six and seven says what? As they went through the region of Phrygia and Glacia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, says later that they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not... Allow them. It's hard when you don't have a map in front of you, but think of it like this. They begin initially to head further west into Asia. Now there's several key cities that are over there. Ephesus is there, Smyrna, Sardis, Philadelphia, but they were forbidden to go into that region. And so when they, when they are stopped, they begin to head north into Mycia and Bithynia, but the path was blocked there, too. Now, there's no indication. Another one of those questions I have when we get to heaven. Well, what is it that prevented them from going? I don't know about you. I just have an inquiry. Like, why? Like, wh- why you stop? Was the bridge washed out? Did you miss the bus? We have no idea. Was there just flashing yellow lights, caution? Was there an angel standing there with a flaming sword? I have like a thousand different... Why is it that you were prevented? We do not know. We will not know until we get to heaven. But let me tell you this. God closed a door. You and I live lives on a regular basis where we are praying for God's will to be done. And as we strive to to follow God's will, we move a particular direction, and bam, door slams. What is the first thing that we do? I don't know. I the only speak. I I just I politely start knocking on the door. Perhaps it just inadvertently, and then I begin to pound on the door. I have attempted to kick in doors and pick locks to doors. Let me remind you of this: when God closes a door, you and I. Are not to try to open it. Remember that. Now, what it is, but I, I'm fascinated by this text. I remember years ago preaching at a little church way up in Northern Maine, Hodgden United Baptist Church. It was a it was a cold Sunday night. It was a pulpit exchange, and I was preaching on this text. I I called it "Open Doors and Closed Doors." Pretty original, huh? I was just learning. I wasn't ordained at that point. <clears throat> It is one of the most interesting and it's actually one of the most investigated texts that are out there. Think about what's happening. Do you mean to tell me that the Holy Spirit is actually forbidding certain ministry? This is ministry. Okay, they're not selling Avon here. They're not knocking on doors. They're doing ministry. Do you mean to tell me that the Holy Spirit is actually forbidding them, preventing them from doing Ministry. Here's the answer. Yes. But isn't Paul preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yes. You tell me the Holy Spirit actually closed the door here. Yes. Does it not say go into all the world and preach the gospel? Yes. It says that. But what we have to remember is this, it's not one man's job to preach the gospel to the entire world. It's not even what? It's not even one missionary team's job. No more than it's one church's job to preach the gospel in a particular community. We have to be alongside of others. When I, when I, when, when it comes to ministry, I think this is a great reminder that ultimately, who is in charge here? This is God's kingdom that will be advanced by whom? By God. It's His church. This is, his church. This is not Tim Bowie. This is not elders. This is not your. This is his church. God calls the shots for Bigwood's Bible Church, just like God called the shots for Paul and Timothy in this particular journey. God is the one who sets the strategy. We have to listen very sensitive. We have to align. Okay, we're not getting ahead of it. We have to align with what the Holy Spirit is doing and calling us to. But that's why we have to be so sensitive to listening to what He has for us. Not what we want. What is our job? We are to simply be obedient. We are to simply submit. Rid me of myself. What is it? It is all about What God wants. You've heard me use this statement before. I will regularly teach this. I will continue to teach this. When God says go, we go. When God says no, we don't go. Really pretty simple. The the key is at the end of that, okay, that that I include in my teaching, we have to be okay with that. We love the go part, okay? We just love to keep the pedal down. We love to move fast. When God says go, we go. But when God says no, we don't go. That's exactly what is picture here. I honestly believe that no can be as equally important for us to learn in God's sovereign plan as go. As opposed to us just kind of continually bolting off. We see this by example. What is the result? What is the result of being forbidden? Paul here in Timothy, in this particular uh, uh, journey that they're on, what, what happens? Well, they, they can't go west. They can't go north. They head south into Europe, actually to Troas. It says, so passing by Mysia, they went to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. Of Macedonia was standing there. A man was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia to help us in a dream. It says, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding God has called us to preach the gospel to him. When they were in Troas, I believe that God spoke to Paul in a dream, giving him very specific instruction. It's what we refer to as specific Revelation. God reveals himself very, very clearly. Specific person in a specific message. God's work is perfectly planned out. God's work is perfectly planned out. The, the blueprints have already been laid. The map is already, already, already drawn. Our responsibility is what? We listen, we listen, we listen, and we go. We go where God tells us to go, not where we want to go. Now how does that happen? Is there always going to be a dream in the middle of the night? No, I don't believe. Could there be a dream in the middle of the night? Yes, there may very well be a dream in the middle of the night. I have no idea. I'm not going to box God up or limit to what he's going to say. Don't go eating a lot of food tonight and hope you have a dream and then you're going to get up and do it. No, that's not it. You know, you know me. I love people. I, I love bio- biographies. I've always enjoyed reading and learning. About how people have been called by God to do certain things. It is one of the most fascinating things for me in all of my life. I have to tell you, I don't watch like a lot of the. I love real time. I love real life. I'm not a fantasy guy. I have to. I've never watched. I have. I have never watched a Star Wars movie. Never. I've seen bits and pieces flying through the rocks. I saw that. I've never watched a Star Trek movie. Okay, I've never read, I I, I just have no desire, creatures, just, I like real life, real time. Ever since a kid, my mom would would, would give me biographies of, of men and women, and nothing fascinated me more than how God spoke to certain people, leading them from this country to move to this country, to pack up, to go here, to build this, to preach this. It just always fascinates me. And we have to be that sensitive in listening and learning to the Holy Spirit. How is God going to speak to us? Primarily, let me make it very clear, okay? 99.999999%, whatever that is mathematically, or God's going to speak through this. Okay, the other little tiny bit is probably going to come through, okay, a pastor or through other godly spirit-led people, and let me tell you this, that still must align with this. So here's our ultimate authority. Remember that. God wants us to obey His will over our will. Thirdly, and finally, we need to move on. God wants us to worship Him. And also sacrifice for others. Paul and company sailed from Asia Minor to Europe. They made their way to Philippi. It says it is a leading city in the district of Macedonia. It's a Roman colony, so there's probably not a synagogue there. Their, their strategy was to go to synagogues and preach. No synagogue that says it's down by the river. They find a place to pray, and they're probably outside, like the early days of Big Woods Bible Church, just meeting wherever we could meet. It was at that meeting, it says, that Paul met a certain woman named Lydia. Love this gal by way of what she teaches us. It says that she's from Thyatira. It's a city back in Asia Minor. It's, it's, it's known, it's famous for its dyes. She was a woman who who dyed cloth and sold cloth. It says that she was a seller of purple, which means that she sold what? High-end stuff. Who wore purple? Kings wore purple. Queens, prince and princesses were Purple, primarily. And so she was probably a wealthy woman, independent businesswoman. To our understanding, she's the first mentioned convert in Europe. Important bit of information is to know, in verse 14, I love this, it describes Lydia, the first thing attached to Lydia, here it is, you can underline this, it's in my Bible underlined, she was a worshiper of gods. Lydia. She was a worshiper of God. Put your name right there. Oh, to be known as a worshiper of God. That's just amazing testimony. My, my definition, there's a lot of working definitions of the word worship. You know, worship is very key. We talked about that central part, the one closest to the finger. Remember the little hand? No, you don't remember that. Worship, my definition of worship is this. It is one's response to God's goodness and grace. It is our response. It's something that causes us to respond to God's goodness and grace. Well, what is that response? Could it be a response in song? Is it the lifting or the offering of one's voice? It could be. Could be we worship through the playing of an instrument? It could be with the lifting up of our hands. It could be. Could we worship through the offering of our gifts? Lord, I I just give this to you, our monies. Lord, I've worked hard and I love you more than I want to offer this to you. Could it be the offering of our, of our talents? God has given to me this little tiny, itty bitty talent and I offer this to you. Offering of our hearts, whatever it is, whatever it is. It comes to the idea of what? here is my offering to you as a response to your goodness and to your grace. It's yours. It's all yours. This, I believe, is exactly what Lydia teaches us here, right here. We quickly notice that she not only opens up her heart to the gospel, it says it very specifically, but she opened up, what did she do here? I love this. I think uh, for a number of women that are out there today that have this gift like Lydia had, she has a gift of what? She opens up, Her home. It's called the gift of hospitality. Lydia is speaking and she says this, she uses this word. If you have, and the word is crino, it's a, it's a unique word. If you have judged me. What does that mean? It means that if you have decided either mentally or judicially, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, if you consider me to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, if you really on, honestly believe that I am sincere, she said, I want you to come to my house and stay. What is the significance of this? Okay, there are no, okay, um, hotels back there. There's no, uh, what's the name of a hotel? Uh, Holiday Inn. There's none of those. Okay, there's, there's no, they, they went from place to place. They didn't have a travel trailer. Okay, they don't have a, a bed. They didn't have a refrigerator stocked with food. Didn't have any of those things. That's why it's so important. And Lydia, what he, she takes, and she says, I want this to be offered to you, whatever you need. Stay here. It's just a demonstration of, Lord, I have this. The Lord has, has blessed me in amazing ways. And I want to offer this. Why? Because she, she's a worshiper. It is, it is so wonderful as well to hear testimonies. I know many of you even here today that have the gift of hospitality, that God has blessed you in amazing ways. And I hear testimony after testimony of people who whisper to me, and they would say, you know what? You can never outgive the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful, amazing truth? Lord, you take this, whatever it is that will further the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that. Lydia gives to us this example. God wants us to worship Him, but what? Sacrifice for others. Great reminder. Leave you with these, I know they're written in front of you, but important points that we we just in a sense encapsulate from this text to, to learn from, to take home. Learning from a mature follower of Christ will cause one to be more effective in life. Okay, our responsibility is to make sure that we have someone that we're looking up to. Okay, I have known the Lord for about forty years. I was very young. And I still have people that I look up to, lots of people that I listen to and learn from, I talk to, I ask questions, and I listen. Secondly, listening to the Holy Spirit is more important than listening to yourselves. I saw it written in the sky, whoa, 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 if the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that, if it doesn't, if it's not backed, based in this words, you have no authority to go. You have no authority to go. Listening to the Holy Spirit is always more important than listening to yourself. Accepting the will of God over the will of man will result in true joy. Key term there is accepting. As opposed to us stomping around. Fine, God, I'll do what you want. I'll, I'll teach Sunday school. Because no one else is going Just stay home. okay. <laughs> accepting God's will always results in true joy. What is true joy? Delighting in the will of God results in true worship. Until we come to a place of really delighting in who God is in God's presence, okay, it's going to be difficult for us to truly worship Him. Worshiping God finally will cause us to offer whatever, whatever is necessary. Whatever it is we have. It may be tiny, that's okay. It may be huge, that's, that's great. Offer whatever is necessary to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And that's before things really begin to cook. So we see a sensitivity to listening to the Holy Spirit, recognizing what Lord rid me of myself. It is all about what you want. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this reminder from Scripture. Thank you, Lord, for your directing us, you're speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, that you are not the author of confusion that we're not just lost blind mice, but you not only know us best, but you love us most. Help us, Lord, to align to your will. and may you be glorified as we strive to be obedient. We strive to be true worshipers, we strive to sacrifice. We strive to make disciples. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing responsibility that you have given to us. Help us to do it well. In your name we pray. Amen.